All right, so today we're talking about fly tying, and specifically, Brandon, on how we kind of design patterns and and come yeah. up with patterns, whether that's uh, you know through imagination, artisticism, inspiration for things, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, inspiration and imagination, and and how the thoughts and what goes into when you're developing a new fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, to use yeah like what you do before you well yeah especially and put and, it in front of fish well especially to yeah. think like 99 percent of your fishing happens in pretty much the same areas yeah but yeah i mean you're constantly developing you know between besides my couple everglades trips and you know maybe i'll get lucky and get to the keys again this year yeah. other than that you know um all of my fishing is done from upper tampa bay to you know, Arapica, maybe you could say Chazahowitzka if you'd really want to get that crazy. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't really made it much further outside of that. So Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's crazy because the variables that are the same are obviously location yeah, and species yeah, of fish that you're chasing. You know, one thing that kind of makes the Tampa Bay area special in itself is that, like, if you say, like, if we leave everything out of this podcast or, you know, whatever we're talking about except for redfish today, like yeah. you could target redfish, you know, within a 45 minute drive of the shop, you could target redfish in like almost 10 different kinds of habitat. Right? Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's not a single fly that's going to work for every single one of those pieces of habitat. So you have to figure out, you know, what, it, what it is that I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to catch this fish at and how I can show him a fly that's going to look like something that, you know, they want to eat. So when well, fish seem um, like... <clears throat> Whether they do, whether fish get smarter or we get dumber, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit, but, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like one of the biggest variables that's changing regularly is, is fly choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, the same flies that worked, you know, 10 years ago mm-hmm. probably don't work today Yeah, as sure. well. They, they, they probably still work, but, <clears throat> but there's definitely some nuances to things, you know, size, weight, mm-hmm. color, uh, things that, that go into it. So. So let's just let's just try and figure out what what would you say for you. So let's let's kind of rewind, mm-hmm. yeah. right? When you first started fly tying, mm-hmm. did you start fly tying before you started fly fishing, or did you start fly um, fishing, or was it kind of a as you started fly tying and fishing at the same time? No, so I definitely was fly fishing before fly tying. Um, you know, I, my fly fishing goes all the way back to. Gosh, I can remember being five or six throwing like little popping bugs at bass and bluegill and ponds like with my granddad. So yeah. um, obviously I wasn't tying flies then. I didn't even buy a vice until I moved down here. So probably 2016 when the shop opened, um, yeah. I was there shortly after, you know, buying my first vice. And, and you guys actually taught me a lot about tying. And, you know, I think we've we've probably elevated both of our games a little bit since yeah, then. Yeah, I like I to, to think, think a little anyway. bit. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, so, you know, I, I definitely, I didn't start tying, especially saltwater patterns until, you know, it was seven years ago. Yeah, and that was the same thing mm-hmm. for me. I mean, yeah. I started fly fishing uh, here, mm-hmm. and the first time I ever fly, I'm a little bit different, the first time I ever fly fish was saltwater. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't, I didn't grow up, you know, yeah, trout 1%. fishing. Yeah, I didn't grow up trout fishing or <laughs> small pond fishing. It was... Right. It was a different way that I was inshore mm-hmm. fishing, you know, putting down the, putting down the spinning rod and reel, putting down the calico jack in the Sahara, mm-hmm. you know, and and, 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 picking and, up and an grabbing the starter yeah. setup, yeah. and you know, going out there and, and and you know, just figuring it out, 
and ripping flies that I bought from, you know, mm-hmm. from the store and didn't really think about fly tying until a few years later. Yeah. When, you know, when kind of when when we were starting to think about opening the shop, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that, you know, I don't know, as you get better at something, you want to make it more. I don't know if it's more challenging, but there's other aspects to it. So Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think the more you fish a certain area, like we've all got our favorite flat or our favorite, you know, wherever that we like to go. Um, And no matter what, like every store-bought fly, there's something about that fly that you wish you could change. Like almost, I mean, a hundred percent of the time. And there's nothing wrong with any of the pattern, like the patterns we get from Umqua, Orvis, you know, Fulling Mill, doesn't matter. They're all great flies and they're all going to work. But when you develop like your own style of fly fishing, there's something that you wish you could change about that fly. Um, And I think that's probably what motivates, you know, almost anyone that ties a fly really is like, you know, Hey, this is a great little shrimp fly, but man, I wish it sank faster. or I wish it was a little smaller or whatever. Um, And I mean, if you're going to pay for flies, you know, and the first thing you do when you get home is start giving that thing a haircut. You might as well just tie the dang thing yourself. Well, like, and so. a lot of people say that, like, they get into fly tying because it's it's cheaper than buying flies. Yeah, it's not true. No, it's not. <laughs> not even close. Because yeah, I still sure. have I still have bins full of stuff that mm-hmm. I bought at the beginning that I've never opened. Yep. And maybe never will open. Mm-hmm. But and a two hundred dollar vice or a five hundred dollar yeah. vice. Yeah. And, yeah. But uh-huh. but you think about it, and this is how I started tying flies was watching videos mm-hmm, absolutely, and I was just trying to emulate what someone else was tying. Mm-hmm. But over time, I think that a lot of us have probably been there and most of us are right. And, and the riffle was like yeah. the greatest resource and still is <laughs> oh, dude, he's awesome. one of the best yeah. resources for, sure. for learning patterns. Mm-hmm. But from that, you learn how you can take a well-known pattern mm-hmm. and use it's almost like you're building your fundamentals when you do that. Yeah. Like not not to sound like all weird, but it, I mean it is. Like mm-hmm. how do you you know make a Merkin style body? Yep. How do you tie in a tail material? How to tie in eyes and stuff that's part of well known patterns. And I didn't invent the dumbbell eyes. No. But almost every single one of my flies has them on there. Right. Yeah. I didn't invent you know palmering a hackle for mm-hmm. something, but but I use it. Yep. And so. You know, it's almost like the fundamentals of I, I learned how to do this when I learned this pattern. But now that I'm making my own stuff, I use it. Mm-hmm. It's just in conjunction with other things. So I think at this point we're, we're at a place to where, hey, we, we started, I think like a lot of us, we learned and we just copied what someone else was doing to learn. Yeah. And, hey, I made this. Right. And then you catch your fish, a fish on the first fly. I still remember that where oh, yeah. I was at. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, the first redfish. The first fish I caught on a fly that I tied was a redfish, actually. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was blind casting, um, which you know isn't important. It was a redfish, right? <laughs> uh, I was blind casting, and it just it could have been a trout. Yeah, it could have been a trout as as easy as it could have been a redfish or, sure. or a catfish too. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. It was a redfish. But mm-hmm. but now. To where now we're figuring out coming up with our own mm-hmm. patterns, but I think we would obviously say maybe we put the techniques together to make something, but almost everything that I make is just a spinoff of something else. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at my fly box right now, and like, it's I mean, a nice, at, it's a nice at looking the end of the day, box, 90% say. of these flies are quans. Like, 
or a redfish crack or, yeah. you know, or, or something that's very similar to a pattern that you have heard of somewhere else. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. And, and we laugh so much about, you know, somebody coming in and saying they don't tie a clouser or they don't tie a redfish yes, crack. And it's like, yeah, actually you, you do, man. You do. Like just because the materials are slightly yeah. different, like you're, it's the same, it's the same yeah, thing. Just cause yeah. you don't pull the hair over the eye, tie it in front of the eyes and pull it over. It doesn't make yeah, it not exactly. a Not a clouser. A hundred percent. So, so, um, so let's just, let's just start talking. So, uh, about developing a pattern. Mm-hmm. So when you decide, when you sit down at the vice and you say, hey, I, I have something in my mind, I want to create something, uh, what drives you to do that? Is it is it solving a problem? Is it being artistic and creative? Mm-hmm. Is it a mixture of those? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a mixture for sure. Um, I would say a lot of my flies are motivated somehow um, probably one of two ways. One, um, you know, I might've been on this, like, let's say I was pulling a flat, uh, and I see a bunch of little crabs or I see, um, redfish just going crazy eating something. Um, and then I get over there and I put a fly in front of them and they don't eat what I've got, uh, or they act real funny, you know, about what I've got. And I just can't catch one. Um, they give you a, you know, kind of a recent experience. Like when I was in Texas, uh, this is like my go-to like fall springtime redfish fly. We've actually done a video on it, the badger tail shrimp. Uh, and I throw this in front of a redfish and like, they just don't eat it, you know. Um, I just caught a I just caught a fish on that fly. Yeah, day. I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good fly, but you know, apparently the Texas fish hate this thing. So I'm trying to figure out, well, you know, what in the heck can I do to figure this out? Um, and I start talking to the guy I'm fishing with, and and we figure out what our goals are. So, you know, a lot of times witnessing that fish's behavior motivates what I need the fly to do. Um, and then the other side of that is, you know, like you said, you know, you'd be watching video um, or something that I do on social media. Like I follow a bunch of different fly tires that I like. I follow a bunch of fly tires I don't like, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I'd, you know, look at a bunch of different YouTube videos or I'll see something pop up on a YouTube short or an Instagram reel and I'd be like, hey, that looks pretty sweet. Uh, and I'll try to recreate that to the style of fly that I need it to be, um, you know, based on where I'm fishing. So one of the two things, you know, I see a fish acting a certain way and I need a fly to do that certain thing to mimic whatever I want it to do to get them to eat it. Uh, or two, I see something that's cool and I try to create it into a fly that's going to work where we're fishing at. Yeah, because for me, the artistic side of it is not any part of my motivation. No, not at all. I could care uh, less if that's it's just pretty. Not, yeah. That's just not me. For me, yeah. it's it's strict business it's mm-hmm. a it's a problem solving yeah definitely thing so you know i might grab a fly out of the you know the box upstairs and it's a manufacturer tied fly mm-hmm. and it looks great and it looks really nice in the water but i get out there and i would get out there and i'd realize like well this fly is either too heavy mm-hmm. it's too light or it's too big yep. or it's too small mm-hmm. and i always were th- was thinking to myself Gosh, it would be really nice if. Yeah. And I actually have before, I'll just, you know, I'll just confess this. I have cut the eyes off of a manufacturer tied fly yeah. And, oh, yeah. and changed them with a different size. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, before, because <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want to try and figure out, or the fly looked too complicated to tie. Mm. And for me, it's. I, I don't just enjoy sitting down and spending time with a vice. No, I don't either. It's yeah. it's I want to get in, get out, and and make what I need. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's probably there's a lot of I've, I've taught a lot of flies that I've never actually fished mm-hmm. because they looked awful. But 
you know, I mean, I I have some examples that I that I brought down. But, yeah. But what I learned with fly tying, and especially when you're creating your own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. 100%. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with, with either one. Right. If you want to pack 10 materials on a hook, on a, like... Yeah, more power to you, brother. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's... it's I'm trying to think about it being simple because yep. if it's not simple, then I won't do it. Yep. So, um, so like the badger tail shrimp. Okay. You created that fly. That's... Mm-hmm. That's that. That's a pattern that that you have. When you created that fly, what was your what were you trying? What problem were you trying to solve? What what was the thing that you were saying? Because that fly, that's a that's a pretty specific redfish fly. Yeah, for sure. That, so um, when you look up redfish flies, right? If you just mm-hmm. Google redfish fly, it's gonna look more like something like this most of the time. Yeah, that yeah. you're seeing with mm-hmm. super heavy eyes, and it is. Yours, it looks more like a bonefish fly. Yeah, definitely. Well, and so just by the nature of the boat that I have in the area that we're in, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on really clean water, uh, really spooky fish, um, and fish, you know, frankly, in like the clear water to anklet area that are really pressured. So um, I needed something that wasn't hitting, wasn't going to hit the water very hard, um, and I needed something that was, you know, kind of basically, you know, one really good advantage of this fly is if you make a bad cast. Um, which when I died this fly, I wasn't the greatest caster. I'm still not, but um, I'm a much better caster. I like to think hopefully than I was, you know, three or four years ago or even six months ago. Um, and I just needed something that, you know, wasn't going to spook those fish when I, when I put it in close to them. Um, and so when this fly lands pretty softly, I can, even if I, it kind of bugs a fish, I can strip it pretty quick, like a little bait fish uh, or something like that. And I've gotten a few eats that way. Um, but I can also let it get all the way down to the bottom and crawl it like a small crab or a shrimp or something like that and get get an eat that way. So it's a it's a nice versatile pattern where I don't necessarily have to change it all day. Uh, I can fish this thing over a lot of different areas um, and in that super skinny water with, you know, skittish fish and and get it in front of them. So, well, yeah, and, um, and, and, and looking at your box, mm-hmm. I can see that. All of your patterns resemble a food item. Yeah, for of sure. The redfish. Yeah, but but you don't try and make it look exactly like no. nature. No. Yeah, I need to like I you know most of the time I think what our fish are keyed in on would be I th- I think it needs to be the size uh, most importantly uh, of what a fish is is going to eat. Um, so you know if you get on an area and there's a bunch of nickel sized crabs or you know a bunch of four inch blue crabs running around like i think you need to have something that's gonna look you know to the size of of what that fish is eating um and then i think you need to be able to land it you know softly in front of that fish to where they don't notice that that thing has entered you know their personal space basically yeah yeah Yeah, i think that for me i've noticed that especially when the water clears up Mm -hmm. for us i think bait fish patterns looking more like nature is more important almost than, than flies that yeah. you fish off the yeah, bottom than, for sure. than crustacean. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm, I'm in the same camp as you. I like to be able to have a, one fly tied on for the area that I'm mm-hmm. in and be able to do multiple things. With Definitely. It. So yep. I don't want to have to switch flies if I'm, fishing for tailing redfish and i see a snook laid up in a pot exactly hole. i want to be able to still throw the same I want fly. To be able to yep. throw that and, and even strip it the same way so mm-hmm. so all right so inspiration for the pattern i think both of us for us it's it's more of a problem solving thing. yeah definitely yep. uh but now then how to develop that mm-hmm. pattern so that fly let's let's just take the batter yeah, for sure so um actually uh brandon jones um 
when he came to one of our fly tying nights, he had a triple tail fly. I think he was feeding triple tail like crazy off of a certain dock light that, you know, is in uh, the, the area, f- the Florida. It's in yeah. the Gulf. Yeah, it's, it's in, in the, the water. Florida somewhere. Area. Yeah, it's on a dock. <laughs> yeah. So he was feeding triple tail like crazy, uh, and he was looking for a specific material. Um, we didn't even carry Badger in the shop at this point, but he was looking for a specific material that had this kind of modeled look to it. And I can't remember what like specific animal he wanted me to find, but the Badger was the closest that I could find that we could actually order. Um, so I ordered a little bit of it. We tied it on, fl- you know, tied his fly on fly tie night. And I was like, man, this stuff is sweet. Uh, so I bought some and I took it home and started messing with it. Um, and then that's kind of how I ended up getting this pattern uh and the first time you know the first batch that i tied was this little size two version um this works really really well for me in the spring and the fall um and i've since you know you can see i've downsized it to size fours and i even have a couple of size sixes in here uh that are the exact same materials uh actually i think i changed the ep brush just to make it a little bit more sparse yeah um but they're the exact same materials and you know all i did was downsize it to you know again just to kind of it evolved into me finding those skittish fish in really shallow water and it's like hey man they'll they'll eat a size six like let's let's make it smaller you know so yeah so so this um, fly has that badger tail mm-hmm. obviously which it is is the namesake and yep. it has that natural you know it's almost like tan at the base then it has that real like pronounced black yeah and uh, uh, the really and cool the thing tips. those guard hairs will give you a ton of movement which yeah. you know i i think is a maybe some we were talking about this the other day maybe it's it's more sexy than it is you know, actually useful in a fly. Yeah. Um, but when that fly falls, it, you know, that, those guard hairs almost bend at like a 90 degree angle and flip back up. So, you know, when a fish is like a school of fish is coming by um, and one kicks it up, like the next fish will actually turn and look at it and you don't even have to move the fly because those guard hairs are just moving around and, and going crazy. So it's, it's well, cool. Yeah. And the fish that I actually caught on, it might've actually been this fly. I don't mm-hmm. know uh, this exact one, but <laughs> I, it was i was swimming it yeah when mm-hmm. the fish ate it wasn't yep. on the bottom uh, i was actually swimming the fly and mm-hmm. there was three fish that kind of in a school that that broke off towards it and the fish actually ate it while it was while it was swimming but but this fly is something that you tie obviously like you just said in, mm-hmm. in different sizes i'd assume different weights right so uh yeah i have some is, with dumbbell eyes in case like i get large, a little deeper yeah this is like large um, chain which is probably what you normally mm-hmm. do yep and then this looks like a a medium bead chain on the yep. smaller, and then ones. I've got the small dumbbell eyes as well. So yeah, and the small um, dumbbell eyes. So mm-hmm. so not necessarily different depths, but you know, if the wind picks up and mm-hmm. the current gets stronger, you can put those lead eyes on. If yep. it's real slick, you can go to something smaller so it lands softer. Uh, and and kind of a what your inspiration was you were just trying to find a good all around overall absolutely pattern. yeah and I, you know i actually discovered that material um and it went well with like so actually here's a a younger version of it without the badger tail um and then once i discovered that badger tail thanks brandon jones um you know it, it evolved into okay well this is a, a better tail material i think and that's you know how it ended up that way so yeah and, and mm-hmm. i and i hear the term like great fly tires always tie sparse flies mm-hmm. right and and i don't disagree with that but i will say there comes a point though to where something's too sparse and yeah. it doesn't matter how small the eyes are it's going to slap the water hard mm-hmm. when it's too sparse right yep. the little bit of bulk in the brush here definitely helps this to land soft but yep. it's not yeah. so bulky and that's one of those things like i said like almost like those fundamentals of of copying someone else so i watched i watched the the hardest fly for me to learn how to tie mm-hmm. was definitely an EP bait fish. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Because uh-huh. you watch 
somebody tie one and then you try and emulate it mm -hmm. and you have a whole pack of EP fibers on a hook. Yeah. And then you're trying to cut it with your first pair of hair it. scissors that yeah. are way too short. And oh yeah. 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 And then you're trying to trim problems. it and it's yeah. like a, it's like solid mm -hmm. to where it's you less is definitely more with EP fibers mm -hmm. for sure. But then you look at, you know, a fly where it has a, a wrapped body or, or they're using more natural materials. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so let's just take this fly. This is like a laid up tarpon fly. Yeah, okay? we're definitely going to put that in the mouth of a tarpon. Yeah. Uh, and so this fly, right, like it's it has quite a bit of material on mm -hmm. it. But if I didn't, it would hit the water so hard right. that... I would have to lead a fish by 30 feet or 40 mm -hmm. feet for him. And, to I, and I think, you know, when you were tying that fly too, like just having experience with the material, like, you know, marabou looks big on a hook and then you put it in the water and it really, it's not, it gives you less. Yeah. It gives you less than you think, which yeah. is, uh huh. It's not, but, mm -hmm. but when I was looking at this fly, right. So this fly, okay. Is basically, uh, me ripping off, um, SS flies. I don't know if you've ever seen his videos, uh, but SS flies laid up tarpon. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's basically what this, yeah. this is. This is, uh, my version of his laid up, mm -hmm. his laid up tarpon fly. And you know, it's, it's, it's two materials. Okay. So it's hackles for in the tail, then it's some marabou and then the same hackle is palmered mm -hmm. kind of for the head. But when on, I was tying this brand fly, for Alex Norris, just what? like that. So that two materials is on brand for Alex Norris. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Two uh, materials, easy to tie. Yeah. But, but like this head material, the only thing that it does is make the marabou lay back. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't do anything else right. besides that. And I could have used anything mm -hmm. really to do that. Like a foxy but, brush or, yeah, you know, but yeah, I already had stuff. it. Yep. And so I think that when we're choosing, but I also knew that with this fly, it wasn't so the materials I picked were going to help it suspend mm -hmm. uh, because this marabou breathes and has some body to it. And mm -hmm. it's not going to sink super fast where if I just tied this on, you know, you look at like a black death. Yeah. Like we have upstairs. Yeah. That thing's going to plummet when you, it's going to plummet yeah. because it's tied on a four aught mm -hmm. 600 SP. Yeah. Which is like a 12 aught anything else. <laughs> right. And it's a, it's a really heavy duty wire hook. Mm hmm. And it's just hackles. Yep. Like that's gonna hit the that's gonna hit the water. Does it have its purpose? Sure. If you're yeah, dredging, right. if you're dredging or you're fishing heavy current, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you're fishing for tarpon up on the shallow water, yeah, like it's it's gonna sink faster than you can strip. Mm -hmm. And and you know the hook choice too adds quite a, a different element. One hundred percent. Because yeah. some lighter wire hooks are great, but maybe they're not strong enough. Mm -hmm. And some heavier gauge hooks are just too heavy and the fly is going to land, you know, yep. so, so big. So you talked about using a size six. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I think size six, I start to think bonefish flies Yep. through and through and through. Mm -hmm. But if I Google redfish flies, Brandon, yeah, nothing like this pops up. No, like, no. Cause yeah, I can, it looks more like that. Yeah. That big old con right yeah. here. Yeah. And so, and so redfish so your, so here's what I'm gathering: mm -hmm. the area, and the, the environment that mm -hmm. you're fishing in, is as much or more important than the species you're fishing for. 100. percent Yeah. Um. And I think your your fishing style too, in a sense where, um, you know, I so this is year. I, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I've been guiding for 85 years, but this is the third year I've been guiding. Um. And I I think that motivates a lot of things too, where it's like. 
okay, you know, if a customer makes a bad cast with this fly, um, he might still get bit. You know, if he makes a bad cast with this fly, that fish is swimming in the next county. You know, yeah. um, where it just either that or he's not even going to see it. You know, so um, that gives me where this this fly hitting the, the water a little softer, and I can still get a fish to notice it because their water's so stinking clean. Um, you know, I've actually I've caught fish in Tampa Bay and in Texas on this same uh, same fly actually. Um, so not that it wouldn't work here. But you really, really have to do the right things, and you have to do it perfect if you're going to use a heavy, big fly. Um, and sometimes I, I think I can get away with a little bit more with something that's going to hit the water, you know, very sparse with mm. my style of fishing. Um, I would agree. You know, and that's not to say, like, you know, if you were fishing, um, let's say, potholes, uh, you know, on the edge of a flat that you knew a giant school of redfish was coming by, uh, this actually would probably be a better fly for you because that pothole is probably going to be three or four feet deep. Um, and you're going to need something that gets down to the fish that you can show it to them. So um, you have to take that into account, too. Don't just go tying up 100 size six bonefish flies thinking you're going to catch a million redfish. Like you have to think right. about where you're at and what you're doing, too, for sure. So I lived in South Florida for seven years. Mm -hmm. And uh, the best part about South Florida is literally the only good thing about it, in my opinion, is the fishing. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. And, you know, to be able to drive in the same way that I wade around for redfish here, mm -hmm. I can go there and wade around and there's bonefish. Yep. And when I was, I was new to fly tying when mm -hmm. I was down there and then was down there for, you know, for quite a few years. And that's really where I learned how to tie flies mm -hmm. and how simple that they could be. And that was a huge thing for me because that was one of the biggest drawbacks when I started fly tying was this thing takes 30 minutes to tie. Yep. How does this guy have a hundred of them in his box? Yeah. He has no life. Yeah. And the no life thing is true for a lot of us. Um, outside of fishing and, and, you know, family, I yeah. mean, there's not much going on, but most of us don't want anything else going mm -hmm. on either. But what I realized was I was looking at bonefish flies and I was watching, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much I helped, mm -hmm. how much money I made in the riffle for the hours and hours and hours of watch time that You're I, welcome. that yeah. I gave, you know, so my royalties on that are, yeah. um, you know, I'll just get them back. I'll send you my address later. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but, but what I realized was when I'd look up bonefish flies, the bonefish flies he, were he was tying were great, mm -hmm. but they were for the Bahamas. Yeah. They weren't yep. for the bonefish in Biscayne Bay. No. Yeah, the yeah. bonefish in Biscayne Bay are not going to eat a size 10 Crazy Charlie. Mm -hmm. Like, they they might if they're, you know, in the super shallow sand-only areas, but that's not what they do there. Mm -hmm. These these fish are bigger. And I realized that they're much more like redfish. Yeah. And the flies that I was tying for redfish and the colors even, like the olives and the darker tans and the browns, mm -hmm. is what they wanted because of the environment. And so the environment at that point was more important than the species of fish I was going yep, after. Exactly. Yeah, I remember the, the one time I fished Biscayne Bay, like the best shot we had on bonefish all day, like this guide pulls us, pulls us up into like it had to be like 40, like a 40 foot crater of mud. And he's like, there's bonefish in there. And I'm like, yeah. this isn't anything I've ever seen on video. No. Fish for bonefish. And he hands me a giant clouser. And I'm like, what is, what? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so we're, we're used to watching, yeah. we're used to Jose Wahebi. Yeah. You know, God rest yeah. his soul, walking on these endless yeah. white 
not even a like yeah. one piece of grass. Exactly. They can yep. see the bonefish from 300 yards away, mm-hmm. and they're throwing these tiny little pink and, and yeah, just having tan. a ball, right? And just I'm having like, a ball. Yeah. There's grass taller than you know, taller than this guy's boat. Like yeah, touching the grass, you know. And he's like, "There's bonefish in there. Just throw it in there and strip it." And I'm like, uh, "All right, man." Cool. Or you go see like yeah. shop flies mm-hmm. down at one of the shops down there. And it's got double large lead eyes on it. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this for? And they're like, oh, it's for bonefish. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because sometimes they get in eight or nine feet of water and you got to get the fly down to them. Right. And so so I, I started to realize that the location mm-hmm. was obviously much more important, you know, almost more more important, I would dare to say, than, than the species. Yep. Besi- with, with maybe the exception of, of tarpon. Mm-hmm. But the tarpon fishery here especially is much different because the fish that we're catching don't live here. Yeah. yeah. They're just they're on their way around. through. Yeah, going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just on their way somewhere. So it's more of trying to entice a bite than it is to feed. Mm-hmm. And with the redfish here, I mean, when a redfish is tailing and you're trying to catch it, that thing's actively looking for food. Yep, 100%. He's actively eating. When mm-hmm. snook are... On the beach, yeah, like in the in the late spring, early summer, they're looking for food. Mm-hmm. Like they they they're wanting to eat. Yep, and I think that when something is wanting to eat, that the natural, whether it looks exactly like a shrimp or not, right? You have some flies in here that you know much yeah, closer I mean, are a much closer resemblance to what they yeah, are like you sure. have shrimp eyes on, on one of the things or or you have some yeah, bait fish flies little, yeah i mean that's right that's like, pretty close to a little pilchard if you like, really want to get crazy yeah, or yeah. and if you mm-hmm. decided to color the top gray it's pretty mm-hmm. close to a finger mullet yep mm-hmm. and so i mean this looks like a bait fish yep like no one's going to say this is a shrimp fly mm-hmm. to where your badger tail shrimp someone yeah. might say like okay well it's the size yeah, it's and the color fish, of a shrimp a, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't have eyes like a shrimp. It doesn't whatever, but it resembles it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that when we look at how we've started to develop things. Okay, so let's. I brought this fly down because it's unique. Okay, uh, and I think that you tied this fly. I did tie that fly. Yeah, but fly this fly, this mm-hmm. fly is unique. So this fly looks like I'm just gonna go through it. Uh, it looks like it's got a super small, sparse, either pseudo hair or a super straight Arctic fox tail. I think that was pseudo hair. Yep, pseudo yeah. hair. Because uh, the we were using it for Arctic something fly. else, yep, and I just, I just used it. Uh, yep. A lot of flash mm-hmm. and a deer hair head. Yep. Okay. So I'm guessing that this fly has a very specific purpose. Yeah. Um, so somebody wanted to uh, have a fly that was like to target, um, you know, juvenile tarpon and snook in our backwater ponds, um, and then also. Uh, this is the suspending shrimp, basically, um, just with a little flare. And uh, so, what makes it suspending? Talk, um, talk the deer hair. That. So okay. yeah. So um, basically, what how I designed this fly, the the suspending shrimp, was I wanted something. Um, I was triple tail fishing a bunch, uh, and basically, what I was finding was my typical redfish flies that a triple tail will eat if you make a good cast. Again, I wasn't, um, you know, gosh, when I bought that skiff, dude, I was riding around everywhere trying to catch everything just i mean having a ball but like i couldn't hit water if i fell out of a boat with a fly rod like you know what i mean so it's like it was you know typical what what we see when you're a beginner fly you know fly anger like it just i stunk man it is what it is so i was i was trying to triple tail fish um and i remember like i was throwing the fly like way up current and trying to let it swing down to the fish 
because basically I wasn't a good enough caster to drop the fly in front of the crab float. Um, but when I was throwing a redfish fly with bead chain or with, you know, dumbbell eyes, by the time the fly made it to the fish, it was like eight feet under the fish. So yeah. it was like, well, I need something that's going to float. So, you know, we, I think we had tied your little deer hair tarpon fly that, um, that you like so much. And I remember like, two materials also. yeah, also yeah. two materials. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact. So, um, so I, and I, I remembered how the deer hair head, like just kept that fly sitting in the same spot yeah. and you could make a long cast and I just do. let it, you know, hang out. Um, so I was like, well, shoot, I could do that. I just need to make the tail smaller. Whole yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, I, you know, I could do basically the exact same thing. I just need a smaller hook and the tail to be smaller. So I put, you know, hung a piece of craft fur, um, flash or rubber legs, which, you know, in this case isn't necessary, but it just, you know, it was something that we had. Um, and, you know, you add a little flare to the fly. Um, I think my theory on flash with tarpon has evolved over the last probably year, year and a half. But anyway, that's, I mean, that's another conversation. But, um, I mean, you can, so I put you, a little bit of flash get, in there. You, you yeah. can get into that a little bit if you <laughs> yeah, want. Yeah, so I put a little bit of flash yeah. into there. Um, and then, you know, we basically it was just like, well, you want something that's going to sit there that, you know, the fish maybe as he's rising, um, you know, to take a gulp of air, he's going to look up and be like, oh, hey, look, there's a little bait fish and just grab it. Um, but originally it was motivated by triple tail because I wanted to throw it way up in front of the float, you know, let it come down to the float and then start stripping it once it got to the fish. So, yeah, the um, other the other mm -hmm. attribute to deer hair, and mm -hmm. I used to think this was, this was funny, and I know I even heard you kind of joke about it the other mm -hmm. day, to where deer hair makes a fly float and then yeah. people put it on a fly that has lead eyes on yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And thanks Borsky. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah Tim. Um, <laughs> and, but here's what, here's one thing that I was, that I noticed. I was mm -hmm. thinking about that. I was like, I went home and I looked at my stuff and I was like, I got a lot of flies that have dumbbell eyes and deer hair. Mm -hmm. But what it does is the deer hair lets you get away with using heavier eyes mm -hmm. because it helps the fly to land softer. Yep. Yeah. And it makes the fly easier to cast because mm -hmm. it helps you, it helps it stay in the air. So I think there's a place oh, definitely. for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but what I've noticed and on a Borsky slider, obviously it helps flip the fly. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, hook riding hook point up and, um, you know, and, and covers the hook and, yeah. and some yep. of those sorts of things. But, but the other thing I started to realize is that material selection is something that, is crucial mm -hmm. because yes there's a lot of materials that are interchangeable yep but they're only interchangeable if you understand what they do exactly so yeah. bucktail mm -hmm. is not i will say is not interchangeable with craft fur yeah not not very often yeah no, definitely i mean not. yeah because bucktail is going to have less movement because mm -hmm. it's stiffer yep uh i would say that bucktail is going to sink at a faster rate than mm -hmm. than um craft fur does yeah and probably any, with an equal profile definitely. yeah but yeah. bucktail is going to remain easier to cast because of its it doesn't absorb water like mm -hmm. like craft fur does right it, it's it's stiffer yep to where like that that fly right there it's got a bucktail with craft fur actually it's got bucktail it. with yeah. craft fur mm -hmm. yeah right and they blend but that bucktail keeps that top part of the craft fur from just wrapping around the hook yeah and fouling exactly and fouling. um and bucktail is a phenomenal material um to keep your other stuff from fouling. So if you have a fly that, you know, um, like a marabou toad maybe, where if you are making a couple of, you know, errant, um, you're just excited casting at tarpon, 
you know, cast, uh, which we all do. Yeah, you can slide some bucktail into that fly, uh, and it gives you just a little bit more forgiveness. Um, so I've gone it to... Helps it, it helps it land. It really yeah. does help it land mm-hmm. softer. Um, so yeah. a bunch of my flies actually have a small, you know, very tiny little clump of bucktail in it mm-hmm. um, that is basically just a foul guard, you know, if yeah. anything else. So, um, yeah, it well, works really well There's a lot that. of foul... Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is with a mono foul guard with... A material that's not solid so mm-hmm. like a rabbit strip is on a yeah high. or like so this has a little clump of bucktail in it the, yeah. the mud bug yeah like if you were to put like, a mono foul guard on that mud bug mm-hmm. it's just something else for the material to foul oh on. yeah it's gonna be a nightmare yeah so the the bucktail adds you know it's a great material for adding structure to your fly um without necessarily putting a bunch of stuff on there that you know uh, isn't useful yeah so. so i just wanted to take a second mm-hmm. okay and i want you to pull out like a beach snook fly like from, uh, yeah. from your bait fish box or from oh, yeah. wherever. Um, so like that would if you be, were... you know, either that that little crafty bait fish that mm-hmm. I colored up to look like a pilchard or um, that little fly would probably work. Uh, I don't have a bumping bunny. I hope you weren't looking for that. Uh, I actually wasn't, no. Okay, good. But yeah, just something. I don't even have one in my so box. The, the fly that yeah. I saw that I was kind of mm-hmm. interested in was uh, like one of these little guys. Oh, All yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So... Maybe maybe a different hook if you're targeting bigger snook, but, but again, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a dock light fly. I've caught snook on that fly, fly before. Fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so this, okay. Yeah. Don't, I'm not calling your fly ugly when I say this yeah. because you have this. No, I mean, this kind of hideous. Yeah. This fly is not one that we'd stick in the box upstairs and expect no, people yeah. to just buy. Yeah. Right. Mm-mm. But if I was walking through the shop, okay, and I didn't have someone to ask and mm-hmm. I didn't know. And I saw these two land. Someone said you should use a white bayfish fly for snook yeah. on the beach. I, I'm gonna buy this one, right? Not knowing now, mm-hmm. this pattern, a nice, good, productive pattern, mm-hmm. right? But here's what I know about this fly: this fly is not gonna sink really well. Correct. If there's any sort of surf, yep. whatsoever, mm-hmm. or any current, you know, or any current, or to the any past. of that yep. sort of stuff. But I also know that this fly doesn't give off a translucence mm-hmm. like you want snook on the beach to. Yep. To where this fly right here, it's small. Mm-hmm. It's the same profile basically as most of those baits out there on the beach, yeah. especially yep. in the like in the late spring, mm-hmm. early spring. You know, they're 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 small too, and then late spring they get a little bit bigger. But but this fly has these hackles look like they blend in to this material. Yeah, but they're when gonna, you put that in the water, stick like they stick yep. out like crazy. Mm-hmm. And and so that is something to where is that a bad fly? No. Yeah. Not at all. Correct. But that's a white fly that's probably better for dirty water, which yep. doesn't really make a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, I would pick that up and chuck it in the Everglades and, and we'd have a ball. Yeah, but, but like I, this on the beach, yeah, it's probably a little this, know, a little big. This little yeah. fly, mm-hmm. right? Off the beach, it's it's a good profile, it's going to land soft, but mm-hmm. you have a really light hook on this. This looks like a B10S. I don't know if it is. Uh, or I think it's that or a flats hook, yeah. yeah. One or the other. I think it's a mm-hmm. it looks like a B10S. So it's a really light hook, but this mm-hmm. is going to break the surface and get down yep. even if there's some current because mm-hmm. of how sparse that it's tied. And so you know, I just wanted to take a second and and say that because yeah. I think so many times we want our flies to look good in our box, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. I just I think that so many times we forget that. Sure, dense flies look nice, mm-hmm. and dense flies make you use a lot more materials, so you can sell more materials, but. 
dense flies in a lot of places don't normally act well, swim well, any of that Correct. sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. And material um, selection is is of the utmost importance. Yeah, and I think we we learned that uh, a lot by a lot for a lot of people just naturally. You know, the tendency when you're a beginning fly tire is to put way too much stuff on a hook. Um, too big we, eyes, yep. too much material. Yeah, and we got that on, um, you know, even on our competition, like, you know, without without being really mean to anyone, but, it, like, you're looking at a fly and you're like, dude, this thing is a concrete block. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like you, so it's not necessarily it was a bad design. Um, it's just that, you know, if it was bucktail, it was, like, seven times too much bucktail and, like, eight wraps too much of a craft fur brush, you know, instead of just letting the the materials do the work for you. Um, And I think probably part of that too is when you're a beginning fly angler, like I think a lot of people struggle seeing the fly. So they want to put too much material on the fly so they can see it. And they want to throw a fly that's way too big so they can see it. Um, You know, I've heard a lot of guys talk about, oh, um, you know, if I'm tarpon fishing, I'm looking at the fly. Or if I'm snook fishing, I'm watching what the fly's doing. I hardly ever look at the fly myself. Um, And even when I'm sitting on the back of the boat, like if you're casting at, you know, a tarpon, I'm rarely ever, like I'll, I'll watch the fly land and I'll try to keep note of where it's at, you know, in my head, but I'm watching what the fish is doing because yeah. when you start moving that fly and we try to time, you know, moving that fly away from the fish, especially, you know, tarpon or snook fishing where they might be coming at you. Um, and we start trying to move that fly away from them to get them to notice it. I want to know if you notice it because if not, you're going to have to immediately either slow the fly down or put another cast in there, depending on what the fish is doing. So yeah. I, I almost, I never take my eyes off the fish. Um, and I think people put way too much emphasis on being able to see their fly for sure. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm probably, whether it's not because I put in, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. cause I put emphasis. I, I try and find the fly mm-hmm. all the time, but when you're fishing over grass, it's almost impossible. Yeah. yeah and so, yep. you know, unless, unless you're fishing deeper water over grass and you're swimming like a big, black Mm -hmm. and purple fly it's almost impossible so if i'm fishing over sand bottom Mm -hmm. so snook fishing off like beach snook yeah uh redfish up you know on like a sandy shoreline Mm -hmm. or tarpon fishing i'm always trying to find the fly for sure but the importance of knowing where the fish is and and how to do that so like i just wanted to yeah a couple examples Mm so two different flies that look extremely different but could be tied on within minutes of each other if Mm -hmm. if something changes so like this is pull that one out i should have brought my tarpon box that would have been yeah yeah way to go mine's still incomplete yeah that's okay so mine mine too i got i got a couple more experimental bugs to tie yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the box that doesn't have the flies that actually work in it. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah um, no, but like, so this this fly, mm-hmm. okay, for tarpon. Yeah. It's a one-aught SL12S, so plenty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a craft for tail, and then it is a little shrimp dub yeah. easy. head. Yeah, easy peasy. Easy, two, two materials. Two, again, two materials. <laughs> um, it's basically a, a worm fly. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just tan. Yep. Totally. So here's what's nice about this fly. This is when I use this fly. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the water's like super gin clear. It's stupid clear. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. But yep. mm-hmm. if, if the wind's blowing. Yeah. If it's slick, this fly sinks too fast. Mm-hmm. It just, it 
like if this fly had a foam head on it, mm-hmm. like a little foam wrapped around the hook yeah, instead, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's when maybe I would use this for, but that's when I like a toad style body when it's, mm-hmm. because it's going to help it sink sl- slower. Yeah. Or like a slider, you know, but if like that, that tide yeah. changes, when that outgoing tide starts where mm-hmm. we're at and that water gets that little smoky. Oh yes. To yeah. it. Yeah. Like, dude, mm-hmm. I'm switching to this because yeah. my thing is with fishing and I've started this. I want to I want to spook them or feed them. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I hate throwing a cast to a redfish, throwing a cast to a tarpon, throwing a cast to a snook, and it just keeps and then, swimming and yeah, never they changes don't change their anything. behavior. Yep, exactly. Because then I yeah. never know if the fish saw it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather spook a fish than have it just yeah. swim by me. And, uh, and often, you know, part of, the, like, getting people to understand that a fish actually saw the fly is getting them to spook one. Like, when you actively see that fish change his body language and swim out of the way of your fly and or eat it, hopefully, um, then now you know you're showing it to them, you know, and it's like, okay, we got a reaction. Like, that's something I can work with. But if they don't change what they're doing whatsoever, 99% of the time, they didn't even see your fly. Well, yeah, and that's you know? and that's my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to switch flies Yeah. if I didn't actually even get a refusal. Just because exactly. the fish didn't yeah. eat it doesn't mean you got refused. Yeah. It might just mean you didn't see it. 100%. Mm-hmm. And... So I think that that's something that's important too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Again, I think that it can be as simple or as complicated as you make it. Definitely. Yeah. But I think that for fly tying, the reason that I do it is because, and the reason that I almost think that in some times, you know, do I think that fly, throwing a fly rod in salt water is handicapping yourself? Some, I think so against the in some, live in against some cases, live bait. Yes, yeah. live bait it mm-hmm. is. But for someone that wouldn't, I don't fish live bait anyway. I don't. Yeah, hardly I, ever. I like to work mm-hmm. a lure. I like to work a fly. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think that there's even an advantage for fly fishing over conventional because I can create, I can throw something that's way lighter mm-hmm. than you can with a spinning rod. A lot, you know, lighter, sparser, land softer. Like less invasive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anybody that comes in regularly that I personally know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah that pours soft plastics for their exact needs like we tie flies for our exact needs yeah no i mean especially i just buy another soft plastic or you know or cut it um maybe dave would be the only person and he owns a literal jig molding company yeah you know what i mean yeah no (laughs) but yeah but like the the the, the normal Mm -hmm. the, the normal fly fisherman can be you can be bad at fly tying and make really good flies Mm -hmm. or really work they might not look great they might not sell in the box but they're gonna work yeah but you can't make exactly what you need for Mm -hmm. spin fishing yeah you can't you can't take a you can't take a little john Mm -hmm. okay for example and say oh this would be great if it was half as big around as it is yeah and go make that no yeah i mean you i guess you could but i don't know of anybody that does that yeah i can take any pattern that's upstairs like this fight and flea crab Mm -hmm. or this you know, i have this, one of those somewhere this Where's uh that? you know this spawning shrimp fly okay yeah i can take the spawning shrimp fly and say gosh this fly would be really nice if it was olive yeah. and orange with bead chain eyes mm-hmm. i can make that yep. and i can do that and there's something that is i think that puts you at an advantage because you can create mm-hmm. but it also adds a whole other aspect to it yeah like, and I, I tell you too like if you've ever spent time on a flat and be like, man, if only I had a fly in my box that would do X, Y, Z and you tie that fly and you go back there and you 
put that fly in a redfish's mouth or you know whatever and stick that son of a gun like gosh it just did feel so stinking good yeah man. that's like, that's what really makes you does. spend it's, yeah. i'm not the one that makes you spend your money in the fly shop that's no. what makes you spend your money <laughs> exactly in the fly yeah shop. exactly yep. yeah that's what makes you it's have just, yep. drawers and mm. drawers full of materials <laughs> that you might have bought you might have gone and spent a hundred dollars on different materials yep. because you needed this little thing to make that fly for that purpose mm-hmm. and for that condition yep and you did and, and it, it worked. worked yep and that was worth i mean yeah. that's 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 worth it yeah and so you know i think that there's so many different rabbit holes that you can go down when it comes to fly tying mm-hmm. but but i think to recap i think that what we look at is a what prop like for us when mm-hmm. we develop a pattern yeah why where, we where am i fishing at what do i need to fly to do yeah for where sure. am i fishing at mm-hmm what do I need the fly to do? And then, yeah. and then what am I fishing for? Yeah. And it, you know, this would be like a perfect time, I guess, to mention, like when I ask you that question, when you come in to the fly shop, like I think every single one of us has had this guy that walks in and he's like, you know, I'm, I need some redfish flies. And well, the first question almost all of us is going to ask you, Hey, well, where, where are you fishing at? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I don't care if you're fishing behind Honeyman Island or if you're fishing behind Caladesi or if you're going to the upper bay or whatever, like dude, it, I don't. I got. I got my own places I like to fish. Like I'm. I'm going there. I don't. I don't need to know where your six redfish are, man. What I do need to know is like. <laughs> we're not trying to. Get, we're not trying to get your spots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What I do need to know is what kind of bottom you're trying to catch these fish yeah. in. You know how deep you are and that kind of thing. Because if you're telling me like if you're fishing thick grass um, and in three feet of water and you got like a school of fish that's moving around in there uh that you know you can see or or something like that and you tell me you want my favorite redfish fly and i give you this thing you're not going to catch them no you know what i mean so i'm trying to help to the point where it's like hey i you know i want you to be successful so i'm trying to get you a fly that's going to work in the situation that you're fishing in um and it like that's a really important thing for you to understand you don't have to tell me like i don't need a gps coordinate man or i don't need a map spot like i just need you to be able to describe to me what you know you're fishing at um and chances are one of us has been there and we've we've seen that area uh and we know yeah. how we can help you you know we've so. definitely been there and we've definitely <laughs> for sure yeah. we've definitely yep you know <clears throat> caught fish there not caught fish there mm-hmm. but whether you are successful or not isn't dependent necessarily on whether you catch a fish or not yeah i think that there's i've had plenty of trips that i've gone out that i haven't caught fish but i've said i need to adjust this mm-hmm. i need to tweak this i need to learn this I need a different fly. I need a different line mm-hmm. for this. I need a different fly pattern for this. Or there's, there's more current here than I thought. Yep. Or the water's dirty here at high at at incoming tide, but it's clean at outgoing. And mm-hmm. and so trying to figure out that stuff. But but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. That the very first question that any of us ask when you yeah. say I need redfish flies is where are you fishing at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you say I have a trip to Louisiana. Yeah, or and if I you, you say, my bonefish fly. Yeah, like, or if you say like, I'm fishing, sucks. Yeah. yeah, if you say like I'm yep. fishing South Bay mm-hmm. and it's crystal clear and it's eight inches mm-hmm. of water, those are going to be same fish, yes, yeah. but they might as well not be. Right, yeah, they're acting totally yeah, different. Yeah, they're acting, mm-hmm. they're acting. T- Their stomachs probably look a lot different too. Yeah. Yeah. S- s- same thing as if, you know, if you're tarpon fishing in the panhandle, mm-hmm. uh, that's it's going to be different flies than if you're fly fishing, than if you're tarpon fishing in the keys or tarpon fishing here, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've seen that evolution of 
especially with the tarpon, mm-hmm. like the types, what we have to use to, to feed fish is different, even just 100%. in five years yep. than it was. I used to be able to leave the same fly tide on all day from when the sun wasn't up yet and the mm-hmm. fish were rolling happy to when the sun got up, I could use the same big black and purple to where now that's that's changed a little bit and we have to adjust. But mm-hmm. but I think that I think that the location and the need and the problem that's being solved is the driving force to why we sit behind the vice mm-hmm. and to why we come up with with what we've come up with. Yep. And I think that for you listening, uh, I think it's important a like spend time watching YouTube videos, trying to make mm-hmm. what you see, trying to figure it out, go buy some flies at your local shop and, and, and try and figure those out mm-hmm. and learn what different materials do, uh, what, how different materials act. And the only way that you can become a good fly tire is by making horrible flies. Yeah. Yeah. Without a and, doubt. And, mm-hmm. and learning. And so, um, I like to tell our fly tying customers, um, our fly tying night customers, like I still have a box. Um, I don't, I don't think I threw very many, if any of my early flies away, uh, I have a box. Yeah, this thing's awful. I know. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, this is my take on uh, a Louisiana redfish fly and all Where'd the. Would you, yeah. you tie that one yesterday? Uh, no, it was like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and yeah, all the Louisiana guys are like, "What the hell is wrong with this kid?" Yeah, but it probably worked, um, dude. I'm telling you, when I went to Texas, like I was so adamant that I was going to feed this fly to a fish, and then you didn't, and I didn't even come close like i had a couple of fish turn on this thing and it was just like they lost it because the fly was too sparse and like it would get down in the grass or whatever and the fish would be actively trying to find it and then they would just give up and swim off. i needed that yeah, that's exactly what i needed yeah but and you need this with out, big like, lead eyes on it yeah. and this isn't that well and then so we get into this little bay and these fish are tailing in like four feet of water so you're pulling along and all of a sudden all you can see is just the edge of his tail and like so i make a cast with this giant like hideous thing with legs that I would never put on a fly ever again. It just happened to be the biggest, like heaviest fly I had in my box and it hit the fish in the face with, and he smokes it. And you're just yeah. like, yeah. Okay. So obviously if I'd have kept this on and been stubborn, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have caught a fish the whole trip. Man. No, like, you no, know, but if so, you throw that fly to a redfish in Tampa Bay, yeah, he's going to swim to Sarasota. Yeah, he's yeah. never eating again because <laughs> you just scared him. So, cause he thought the fly was going to exactly. eat him. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, we appreciate you listening and you know, just, don't be afraid to mess up. Yeah. Like that's the that's the biggest thing. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to sit down and put some crap on a hook and go out there and see if it works. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've all been there, man. Yeah, and if you yeah. got a pool, like, use it. Yeah, our fish tanks were on sale, weren't they? Yeah, Adam, fish tanks. Yeah, fish, yeah dollar yeah. per gallon. At, fish tanks uh, on sale. Also, Petco. one Petco. last thing before we go. Shout this is my Petco. final thought, okay? Yeah. This is, like, the most important thing for today. A fly underwater doesn't look wet Hmm. it looks dry okay just like your hair does okay so like you can't wet this fly under a sink and say this is what it's going to look like underwater Mm, it's going to look like this underwater yeah Yeah. it doesn't look like Mm -hmm. itself so just remember (laughs) that